0: I am a very joyful person, but this time of year around Luke, I just look so curmudgeonly. I don't like pumpkin spice. I just, rude. rude. I know, but it's disgusting, right? Come on, there's somebody, there we go. There are a few courageous people in this room with taste. Thank you. Good Good morning. My name is Craig. We say we love our enemies. But do we? We say we follow a God who died for his enemies. We believe enemy love will transform the world. But then we got enemies, and our enemies have names. And once we got enemies with names, it's a different ballgame. Let's illustrate this. Donald Trump, LGBTQ, Kamala Harris, (laughs) Second Amendment folks, gun control folks, we say we love our enemies and then our enemies get names and it becomes a different game. No longer is it about loving enemies. It becomes about defending something from someone. There are about 2 billion people on planet Earth who claim the name of Jesus. I believe if just half of the people who claim the name of Jesus did what they say we believe, we would be a part of a peaceful transformation of our world. We say we love our enemies, then we meet our enemies. How do we get out of this thing that happens to us that the neuroscientist Jim Wilder calls enemy mode? According to Jim Wilder, our brains every day slide in and out of a way of being that he calls enemy mode. When we perceive a threat, our minds go into, there's danger, I need to protect myself, enemy. And we no longer see a person to be loved, we see someone to be defeated, a threat to us, and we go into enemy mode. We can't help it, we go in and out of that every day. You go in and like, Little ways and big ways. It's a huge spectrum. It can be, some folks in this room still work at home, and it can be those moments when you're trying to get back to your desk, and a, a little child that you live with all of a sudden just, you hear crash and ah, mom. Now that's not a little person that you brought into the world who has hopes and dreams and aspirations. This is someone that needs to get out of my way. Enemy mode. We slip in out of enemy mode when we look at social media. And someone who's kind of like us, but we don't really like them, they took a vacation and it was better than our vacation and they posted pictures. <laughs> they're just doing that because they're prideful. The only reason I could think they'd post that picture. They're just full of pride. The heart's not in a good place. Here's some signs that, according to Wilder, that we're in enemy mode. We want the enemy to lose. We can't discern when others are trying to help. That's when there's a situation that escalates and someone comes in and be like, hey, 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 everybody. It's like, get out of here. It's a sign we're in enemy mode. We recruit others to attack our enemies. We feel justified in hating. Some more. We see others' motives as bad. We turn people into objects, not fellow humans. We feel alone. Nobody's on my side. And we often attack or withdraw from allies. And then, if we stay in enemy mode long enough, we can see enemy mode as a strength. Jim Wilder, in doing this research, was working with a retired U.S. general. You can see how enemy mode would be very helpful if you're a U.S. general. And he's starting to encounter, oh, man, this is how I lived a lot of my life. If you're still not convinced, what I'd like to do briefly is I want to throw you into enemy mode. Don't worry. It'll be okay. Somebody sent me the baptism of a celebrity recently, and I, I hate to admit this. I never have talked about this publicly, and, but here we go. I don't, this is a thing I don't like about myself. I got a little Us Weekly in me. I don't get it. It's a weird character trait. Like, I just care about celebrity gossip. I, you know, we all have our thing, but I don't, I don't get it. It's just, a, it's a vice, and I'm sorry. And, and I always, I've never liked it when like churches like pray for celebrities. It's always felt really weird to me. Like I went to a church where we prayed for celebrities. It's not because I don't think they're people, humans who need to be prayed for. It's just also, we have no idea what's really going on. Like celebrity world to real world. Like is Taylor Swift really dating Travis Kelsey? (laughs) No, she is not because the chiefs are evil. Oh, anybody in enemy mode yet? How are we doing? Okay. So I'm always skeptical, but someone sent me the video of a celebrity. Her name is Kat Von D. If any of you were alive in the early 2000s, once upon a time, the Learning Channel stopped being the Learning Channel and started playing reality shows. If you don't know what a reality show is, it's because you didn't come of age in the aughts. And so they had this reality show called LA Inc. And it was about a tattoo parlor and it followed the lives of tattoo artists in LA. And she was the star of this show. She had like more than 15 minutes of fame. And according to her, according to Kat Von D, uh, she was a very spiritual person and she started dabbling in witchcraft and in spiritism and uh, the occult. Then she met Jesus. And so she gets baptized. Now... I want to show you the video of her baptism, then we're going to throw you into enemy mode. Just theologically, why we celebrate baptisms around here, what we believe about baptism, God is present everywhere, and there are certain times and moments when his presence is more intense. We believe God's presence is more intense when we take communion. We believe God's presence is more intense when a baptism happens. And that presence can energize a church. It's proof positive that God is still working. That once someone was walking in darkness and now they've been made alive and they're part of the kingdom of life. Oh my goodness, God is working. This is great. We're gonna watch that take place. If you're watching on the live stream, it's about to go silent for 30 seconds and you're gonna see our logo. And all I can say about that is come join the party. Amazing, beautiful. Want you to notice some things that didn't happen there. There was no proselytizing, there was no finger wagging. You're terrible, I'm right, you're wrong. Just a a person saying, I met Jesus and I wanna make a public declaration, he's changed my life, it's beautiful. What in the world could be wrong with that? I'm watching that and I'm very moved as I sit at my desk just thinking like, man, that's so beautiful. Gives me hope in this world. Then I just started reading the comments. And it was wild. And it can put us into enemy mode. Here are just some of those real comments from real people about a real thing that happened to another real person. This is Michael for best artist. Oh, gave up witches for Jesus, swapping one superstition for another. What a pity, shouldn't have some science books growing up. Ouch. Gospel of hate said... Literally, did this blankety blank for more likes and followers. Your life is a all caps lie. Zounds 456. Pretty much trading one cult for another. Next is going to be what? Scientology? And Carnism debunked that. Okay, but are you still vegan? You just got to love the random trolls in here. How we respond to the feelings that bubble up in us as we see this, lets us know whether or not we've slid in into enemy mode. Enemy mode, see, is a lot about status, and what it feels like is someone is attacking our status. Right, oh, I didn't have science books, because you're an idiot. Oh, you're in a cult. You're in a cult. See, and it's like, whoa, they've attacked my status. And when we, when we get into enemy mode, what can happen is we don't see these people as real people. And the danger is we've got Bible verses and God is on our side and they're attacking us and we're right. So what happens is our enemy mode comes in hot. What if? What if a lot of our indignation and what if a lot of our pain and outrage over the way we see things is not about the kingdom of God? And what if it's about our inability to escape enemy mode? We are disciples of Him who died for His enemies. In the passage we're going to look at today, Jesus models how to navigate enemy mode. He is faced with two different types of threats. He's in Galilee. Remember, he's just fed the 5,000. He's getting out of Jerusalem. It's dangerous in Jerusalem. They're trying to kill him. That's enemy mode. And so he's staying away. There's a real threat. There's people in enemy mode and they're coming at him. There's another threat though. His family is afraid of that threat. And so they're like, hey, why don't you fix this mess you made and go into Jerusalem and do the miracles like bada bing 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 and then people are going to trust you. Come on, you put us in this problem, get us out of it. Enemy mode. And Jesus navigates through that situation with a bulletproof identity. His status can't be brought down. And we start to see how Jesus navigates enemy mode is not like how you and I navigate enemy mode. When someone attacks our status, our, our natural impulse when we slide into enemy mode is, I'm going to attack your status. It's, this is the HOA battles, right? You're playing your music too loud. Well, oh, they're crazy strict. We just, it's a status game. I mean, thank God this never happens in churches. Jesus, though, is like, let's play a different game. In the way of Jesus, when someone attacks our status, we see Jesus do something crazy. He actually builds up their status. What? He is so secure in his status. He has a bulletproof status. He's able to walk into a dangerous situation, into enemy mode, and build up the status of his enemies. And it's like, oh, wow. I don't think I can do that. Like, right? How do I actually do it? Isn't that? Aren't I going to be like okaying all kinds of bad and terrible things? Let me just say, there are, there, are, there are dangers in the world, and there are people who do want to hurt you. There are abusive relationships. And there are times we just need to get away. And we see Jesus doing that in this passage. They're trying to kill him. He gets out. And he doesn't stay in enemy mode. He still loves his enemies. So wherever we are on this spectrum, we get to learn how to not deal with enemies by suppressing things. Oh, we're going to talk about that Midwesterners, suppression. But we're going to see a Jesus who's fully human, who walks into a dangerous situation, and says, let's play a different game. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 7. How do we escape enemy mode? John chapter 7. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 13. John chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. Escaping enemy mode. If you would, once you find it, please stand with me out of reverence for God's word. John chapter 7. Verses 1 through 13. After this, that's the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go around in Judea because the Jewish leaders were there looking for a way to kill him. But... When the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, hey, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you're due. Look, man, no one who wants to be a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. John gives us a little bit of commentary on why they said that. Verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, my, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, He went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus, asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. This is the word of the Lord. God, as we think about a different way to be, escaping enemy mode, I pray that you would help us to imagine what's possible. Father, the, the family systems, the churches, the workplaces that we inhabit Desperately need us to be able to escape enemy mode. Help us to see each other as humans. People to be loved. Give us your vision for the other people in our lives. ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. What's happening in this passage? Well, the writer of the book of Hebrews describes Jesus this way. We do not have a great high priest, it says about Jesus, who cannot sympathize with us in all our weakness because he was tempted in every way we are, yet without sin. We're reading a passage where Jesus is tempted to slide into enemy mode. Now, you and I, we just slide into enemy mode. Our brains can't help it. A threat happens. We develop this skill to escape threats. It's great. We can recognize, though, when we are in enemy mode and we can learn to escape it. Jesus, though, is navigating through relationships. He's not entering into enemy mode. He's navigating through relationships. This is, a, this is a relational conflict that's happening here. In John chapter seven, verse one, or verse two, excuse me, it tells us that the feast of tabernacles, that was the time that was near. And his brothers were like, hey, let's go up for that. The Feast of Tabernacles, a lot of us, when we read the Bible, we may be reading the Bible for years, when it comes to all these like feasts and sacrifices, we get very lost and confused. Like, how many are there? What do they all mean? The Feast of Tabernacles was one of the big three. It was a huge deal. It is a huge deal. And during the Feast of Tabernacles, it was like a family party. It was a really joyous occasion. Everybody got together and families would live in tents. It was to remind them, hey, once we lived in the wilderness and God provided for us, this is a really happy time. There's lights, there's singing, there's dancing. We dump wine on the ground because of woo And the family's like, Jesus, come up with us for that. But Jesus, got to go be a disruptor. Hey, we're not going to do that this year. Why? Because there are people in enemy mode. It would have been dangerous for him to go. What's the temptation that Jesus is facing? Well, the first temptation is this. The religious leaders are trying to kill him. Look again at verse 1. It says this. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. If you're like wondering, well, is enemy mode really a thing? There it is. That's like a really extreme, dangerous expression of enemy mode. People see Jesus as a threat, and they're scheming and organizing and trying to find a way to eliminate that threat. They're in enemy mode. But Jesus' family is also in enemy mode. Look at at the advice they give him in verse 3. Why don't you leave Galilee, go to Judea, come to the party, right? Your disciples, they're going to see the things you do. Nobody who wants to be a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, post them on your socials. There's nothing new under the sun. See, in the ancient world, things done in secret were always viewed suspiciously. There really was no such thing as a private life in the first century. Everything was public. The uber-rich could hire slaves, buy slaves, you know, hire slaves. They would buy slaves who couldn't talk or read, and then they would do things, so then they couldn't communicate. Like, oh, that guy's a bad guy. He did this and They have no way to communicate. That was the closest you could get to a private thing. Jesus, though, he's doing these miracles, he's healing, he's acting, he's bringing the kingdom of God, and he's not doing it in public. And his brothers are like, look, man, people are getting suspicious. You are bringing shame on the family name. See, in the first century, it would have been the expectation that Jesus as a public figure, his family went everywhere with him. And you see his family popping up again and again in the Gospels. John chapter two, they're at a wedding, his mom's there. Now in John chapter seven, After Jesus feeds the 5,000, his family's with him. But do they believe? No. It says that they they knew he could do miracles. They're encouraging him to do miracles, but they don't believe. Who are they acting like? They're acting like the crowds in John chapter 6. You fed us. That's cool. We don't want to follow you. That'd be weird. And so what happens is they're operating from a place of fear. Two different temptations Jesus is facing when it comes to enemy mode. There's a very extreme one, there's a calculated plot to destroy him, and then there's people who are just simply living in fear. You and I, every day, slide in and out of enemy mode and it can range from that spectrum. Uh, Wilder identifies three different types of enemy mode. There's stupid enemy mode, that's when these lightning fires happen, these like really quick things of emotion, they like, happen and they often have long-term consequences. One of you was telling me a story of road rage where someone came at your window and just started like pounding on the window. There's like, ba pa 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 ba pa And they started yelling, right? That's stupid enemy mode, right? There's no reason where you're sitting in traffic and you're like, you know what this, you know what this moment's missing? You know, I think I'm just gonna like get unhinged and try to pound on some glass of a complete stranger. I think that would really, I bet they don't have a phone and aren't going to film this and put it online. This is going to be fine. No. But something happens in our brains when we see a threat, any one of these things, right? We, we, we want them to lose. You cut me off, ah, we just lose it. These often have long-term effects. I remember growing up as a kid in a neighborhood close to me, one brother murdered another brother over arguing of how to open a bag of potato chips. And it became this like, thing in the community, like, can you believe that? And, yes. Because our brains just shut off when we get into stupid enemy mode. There's another type of enemy mode that Wilder warns us about. This is what the religious leaders had toward Jesus, intelligent enemy mode. This is all about status and control. This is, all, this is how HOAs fight. Some of you have an HOA? You're like, yeah, it is. That's so true. HOAs, one neighbor's playing music really loud. It's an early Saturday morning. They're out in the garage, and it's like, whoa, we're halfway there. And the other neighbors are like, yo, I got kids. And so you go out, and you ask, hey, can you turn your music down? I have a right to listen to whatever I want, however loud I want. And so then you start a campaign. Wow. You know, the the people that play their music loud, they're crazy. We got to get them out of here crazy people. And the people are like, hey, do you know a bunch of Karens moved in next door? It's awful. It's all about status. How do we knock each other down? And it's intelligent. We're try- We're- this doesn't happen in a day. It's calculated. It's a plan. It's because our brains go into enemy mode. But there's another type of enemy mode. And this is the one we go in and out of every day. Simple enemy mode. And it can look like this. Expecting the worst in others. What's that look like? It's navigating the world through Fear. Oh, everybody doesn't, nobody likes me. This is what Jesus' family is in. We're in a bind. Can you just fix it? People don't like us. You can fix this. Why aren't you fixing this? Do a little miracle, man. Simple enemy mode. When we recognize that we're in enemy mode, wherever it is on the spectrum, we have to figure out how do we escape enemy mode. I just want to give you three ways this morning to escape enemy mode. And way number one, is very contextualized. I am not from the Midwest, and I do not understand all your ways. And there is one way. I, as an outsider, I'm going to play the outsider card as long as I can. I just would love for you to hear me, because I think it is dangerous. One way we need to learn to escape enemy mode is by stop being so nice. What? How do we get out of enemy mode by being nice? Think with me for a second back to stupid enemy mode. If somebody's in stupid enemy mode, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up, and your brother comes home, you know, the cool brother with, like, all the tattoos, and your other brother, who's the good brother, is tired of hearing about the tattooed brother's travels and how he met this really cool friend at a hostel in Germany, And he's just sick and tired of it. And he's like, you know what? I hate you. Everybody, I, I, I'm a lawyer, but nobody cares. It's all about Brad. It's all about Brad. We can try to get out of enemy mode by helping the lawyer brother not experience the natural consequences of his stupid enemy mode. Jesus is not doing that. Listen to how Jesus talks about people who are in enemy mode. Here's what he says in verse six. Jesus says, I'm not going. He says, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it it, it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. When we recognize enemy mode and we want to love our enemies, that doesn't mean becoming a doormat. That doesn't mean losing all boundaries. That doesn't mean, oh, like they treated me badly. That's not a big deal. There still is right there still is wrong. And when we try to get around that, what we're doing is we're making friends with something Jesus calls the world. Very carefully, this is the most important thing you need to hear me say today. The world, also called the flesh in the New Testament, those aren't people. The Apostle Paul, they use these words interchangeably. Paul says this, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We are not, the people that come at us are not the enemy. They are victims of the enemy, of this thing called the world. What is the world? The world's a system. Here's here's how you can describe the world. It's a system of turning away from a loving creator and organizing our lives independently of him. That's the world. Listen to this. This is so interesting. You know who Jesus is describing as the world in this passage? The religious leaders... He says, I can't go up to Jerusalem. Who's in Jerusalem? The religious leaders who want to kill them. Why is it? Because the world hates me. Just because you're in this room doesn't mean you're safe from the world. This system that is trying to run from a loving creator God and organize our, their life independent of him. We don't affirm that. We don't, and, 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 and the first step to escaping enemy mode is not to make friends with a system that divorces itself from God and organizes its life independent of Him. That's not step number one. When people treat us badly, we don't go like, that's good, that's good, that's great. No, it's not good, it's not okay. And I'm a little discouraged by the amount of moral courage happening in our world this week. It became like almost a trope of people not knowing how to, which flag to post on their social media when it came to the Israel and Palestine conflict. And I watched like people be like, there are, you know, this wherever you stand on this. No, let me just give you an example. We're not afraid of moral courage. Israel was attacked by what the European Union and the United States calls a terrorist organization, Hamas. Hamas is not Palestine. There are innocent women and children in Palestine. Hamas is not them. And we can condemn Hamas for what they've done. That's wrong. They have acted in enemy mode. News reports have come out that they were planning terrorist attacks against Children. Oh, that's evil. And to escape enemy mode, we don't have to go, well, no, we can have moral courage and say, that's not that's not okay. That's the world. That's dangerous. Likewise, when Israel, who has a right to defend herself, you got you gotta minimize you can't just go on a rampage. Like not everything you do is blessed by God. You can commit injustice. There is right, there is wrong. And the first step of escaping enemy mode is to recognize, okay, there is an enemy and we do not make friends with him. His name is the Satan. And when we see his work, we don't go, okay, how do I befriend that? No, we go, no, 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 no. And we recognize that people who are acting like enemies are not enemies. So step one, we don't be, we're stopping so nice. Step two, is to recognize we're in enemy mode. What does that look like? Here's what Jim Wilder describes as enemy mode. Someone who's in enemy mode has a brain who's in enemy mode is all about the win. Enemy mode lacks compassion. Enemy mode lacks attachment. Enemy mode fights for status. See that? Someone comes after us attacking our status. Let's get their status. That's not how Jesus is navigating in this passage. One of the challenges of preaching narratives is they're just massive chunks of verses. And so it's like, oh man, you get to the main point, like 30 verses after the passage you're looking at. And, you know, sometimes if you're in a crunch, you're only looking at like 13 verses. And then you're like, oh, that, the key to understanding this passage is like way later. Let me give you the key to understanding how Jesus is able to escape enemy mode and how he's able to get into it. Uh, John chapter 8, starting in verse 16. This is Jesus explaining how he's able to do it. And he, he offers this to us. Here's what he says. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. Here's how Jesus is understanding his navigation of enemy mode. He had a very high awareness of the presence and the relational presence of God the Father. He has a bulletproof status. Jesus can go into enemy mode because he's not alone. We need to recognize we're in enemy mode. One of the ways we're in enemy mode, again, as Wilder says, is we feel alone. No one's on my side. Jesus is able to face his enemies because he has a bulletproof identity. Here's the amazing thing about the Christian gospel. He offers that identity to everyone. Jesus doesn't win by lowering our status. He wins by raising our status. The book of John opens this way. To anyone who receives Jesus, to them he gives the right The authority to become children of God. In the first century, that was the greatest status you could have. Demigods were amazing. People who were from the other world and from this world, they were of the gods and of the people. And now Jesus comes, the God-man, and he's saying, you can be like me. You can be children of God. He gives us a bulletproof status to navigate enemy mode. So step one, recognize we're in enemy mode. Step two, how do we escape enemy mode? Don't apologize. Imagine their pain. Part of the problem of enemy mode, as we describe enemy mode, it's not relational. It sees the other person as a threat. They stand in my way, especially if I want to win. Oh, they're just in my way to winning. One of the things we can do when we get into enemy mode is damage. We just slide into it and we're like, okay, this is about status, you're trying to knock me down? Well, I'm going to knock you down. And then we calm down, we get away from it, we're like, oh man, I did damage. Don't apologize. Imagine their pain. Someone gave me this tip once and it has transformed my relationships. I'm always afraid to give life-giving tips to you all because now I can't use them on you. You're like, I know what you're doing. But here's, here's what happened. I grew up in a house where I would just do whatever I want, like a woo-hoo, and I'm sorry. It became totally useless. So my, my parents tried to find a way around it. They're like, you're not allowed to say sorry. You have to say, please forgive me. I'm like, okay. And I'd be like, woohoo, please forgive me. And it's just, I'm just saying words. In my relationship with my wife, my closest relationship, I would do something I was totally unaware of that would hurt her. I'd say, hey, that hurt. I'm like, I'm sorry. She's like, yeah, yeah, I don't think you got it. I'm like, well, I said Sorry. What's a problem? Stop apologizing. Do this instead. You're, you're, someone you love comes to you. Hey, that really hurt. I felt ignored. I felt avoided. Oh, man. Like, that would have been really confusing. Like, you're, you're, you're seeking after, you're trying to find connection, and I'm moving away from you. That would feel lonely. Am I getting it? See, when you start describing someone's pain, you're doing a couple things. You're, you're entering their space, and you're acknowledging their humanity. According to Jim Wilder, when we get into enemy mode, we don't see people as humans. We see them as objects. And the danger about enemy mode, they're objects in our way. But this practice of recognizing I'm in enemy mode, trying to come out of it, and then describing the pain of the damage we've done, it invites relationship back into the moment. Jesus enters into a space that's dangerous. There are people trying to take his life. But he enters that space relationally. I stand with the Father. That gives him an identity. We really believe our identity when we're able to admit we've caused pain. See, if we don't believe that identity, we gotta, no! The reason you felt that way is because you're a snowflake. That's someone with a very fragile identity but we have a bulletproof identity. We can hear the damage we've done and we don't have to respond back. We can acknowledge it. Man, I would hate it if someone did that to me. That would really hurt. And in that moment, you're creating connection. And it's showing there's a different way. We don't have to do that. We We don't have to run and hide. We don't have to make friends with the flesh. We really can operate in a different way. I mean, I really believe this. If the world, if... Christians, if the people who claim the name of Christ learned how to escape enemy mode, we would experience a peaceful transformation of our worlds. I say worlds with an S because I'm not in my 20s anymore. I don't think we're going to change the world. I think we can transform our homes, our offices, little place we call Compass Church if we learn to recognize and escape enemy mode. This is not Pollyanna mentality or theology. I understand many of you may not understand that reference. Pollyanna was a, well, I haven't read the book. It was like a Disney movie about this young lady who just saw the world as awesome and the glass is always half full, and that's the face of a young boy who has to read that. (laughs) We don't espouse a Pollyanna theology. There is, there is, there's pain in the world. There's brokenness. It doesn't always go as it should. We're not responsible for the results. We're responsible for how we respond. And if anybody understands that, anybody understands it, it's Vedran Smolovic. Vedran Smolovic was living in Bosnia in the 90s. Those of you who remember what happened, the tremendous human rights crisis that happened in the 90s in Bosnia. In the town he was living in, mortar shell just rained down on an open market. Innocent people out on a Saturday morning buying groceries stepped into eternity. His, Vedran's really good friend, uh, a colleague of his, uh, was one of those victims and he said there wasn't even a pound of flesh left to bury. So every day, Vedran, who was a Uh, an orchestra cellist would go out and there were 26 victims and for 26 straight days amidst the rubble of enemy mode, he played music. One day for each victim. He did this in the crosshairs of snipers and with loaded mortar shells pointing at him. And he did not relent the fighting would go on for four more years he had to leave bosnia and find refuge in ireland and the cynics in us all go see it didn't work you can't change your world they fought for four more years but what vedran did was he showed us connection is possible even in the darkest times. Transcendence can break into darkness. He got the attention of the world. Joan Baez came out and played with him. He became a legend to just say, we can do something else. We don't all have to jump into this craziness. We are disciples of him who died for his enemies. We don't have to join the craziness. We can love those who don't love us. We don't have to view people as problems to be eliminated. We can see them like God sees them, as people to be loved. The results are up to them we're not responsible. But if we're people who are constantly growing in our capacity to escape enemy mode, we might actually start living what we say we believe. Jesus, oh, we need your help to do this. Lord, there are moments and times where we step into enemy mode, we stay there, we know we should leave, but we just stay. God, would you meet us there? Would your presence remind us that there is another way? God, I pray that with the awareness Jesus had, that you were with him, you stood by him, I pray we would feel your presence right now. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.